Cable news, noisy, boring, out of touch. That's why Salem News Channel is different. We keep you in the know. Streaming 24-7 for free. Home to the greatest collection of conservative voices like Dennis Prager, Jay Sekulow, Mike Gallagher, and more. Salem News Channel is unfiltered and unapologetic. Watch anytime, on any screen at snc.tv and local now channel 525 hey guys it's morgan zeckers we are on another day of question and answer these have been kind of fun i'm still on the road so this has been a little easier for my schedule i appreciate you guys sending the questions in that being said let's get into it But before we get started, MyPillow is excited to announce the original My Slippers are back in stock just in time for the holidays. Last Christmas, you made our slippers the number one selling MyPillow product, and now they have added smaller sizes, larger sizes, wide sizes, and all the new colors. What makes My Slippers different is the exclusive four layer design that you're not going to find in any other slippers. My Slippers patented layers make them extra comfortable, extremely durable, and they help relieve the stress on your feet from all the running around this holiday. Wear them anytime, anywhere, and save $90 off with promo code MORGAN. That's only $49.98 a pair. You'll absolutely love my slippers, and now they're also extending their 60-day money-back guarantee until March 1st, 2023, making them the best Christmas gifts ever. So go to MyPillow.com, use promo code MORGAN, or call 1-800-738-8374, use promo code MORGAN, to save $90 on the original my slippers. That's only $49.98 a pair. Quantities won't last, so be sure to order now. Thanks, guys. Okay, let's get into it. First question, how do you find motivation to read the Bible every day? Ooh. So I would say I don't do it out of like strictness for religious practices. I don't think God's going to be mad at me if I don't do it. Like I don't do it out of fear, you know what I mean? But I just really like to focus on my faith in the day and I like to start with it in the morning so that I just am kind of centered and grounded, you know what I mean? So I don't force it. I genuinely want to do it and I want to want to do it. Do you know what I mean? So if I'm sleepy, like I used to read it at night before I would go to bed and I I can't do that, you guys, because I would be like falling asleep before the chapter's over. I'd be like, you know, sleepy eyes and then I start skimming because I always skim books when I'm reading when I'm sleepy and it's not right to skim the Bible. You know what I'm saying? So I just decided Okay, if I start skimming, then I'll stop reading. But then I said, why do I do this torture to myself? Why not just do it in the morning? And it ended up being a really great adjustment. You know what I mean? So um, that was like the first change that I made is to just stop skimming and just close it and go to bed if I felt too tired. But then I moved to the mornings and I really love the mornings. And I just have a much better day when I start with it because it's kind of like it's kind of like when you pray in the morning too. You can ask for guidance. You can figure out. It's not like making a schedule, but you can just definitely root yourself and then direct yourself in the path that you really should be going that day and get your stuff done. You know what I'm saying? And speaking of that, somebody also asked, I couldn't tell if they were being mean by asking this because it was like, is he being kind of sassy? But um, I got a question that said, what is the concept behind Bible study? Do you just read it over and over again? <laughs> I was like, I can't tell if this is a genuine question or not, but either way, I'm going to pretend like it was a genuine one and answer it because this is actually a good question if we consider it from that angle. I basically do a mini Bible study every day, every morning before I get started on my other stuff. I usually make my blueberry smoothie and then I do my reading of the Bible and make it into a little Bible study. Now, it can kind of be a little varied because like I said, I don't like to be super strict on myself about this stuff. I want to enjoy it and 
not like fun enjoy it as if I'm like going to the club and I only want to have happiness, right? But it's just more of like I want to get the most out of the experience in a meaningful way. And so for me, I used to only have this style of like reading a chapter and then I would think about it and do the usual. But now I have this other style where I kind of have like a blank page in my book, my little notes book, and I could read just a verse. And then with that one verse, I'm like, whoa, here's what I'm thinking so far. And often just that verse, by reading that, I could just sit there and based on the context of what happened before and what's happening and what's about to happen, because I kind of know, you know, I know the story. I can just really sit and think on it. And then I write about a page or so in that book about the historical context because I'm nerdy like that and I enjoy looking at it from that angle. But then also the the message that is directly sent to us in the verse and then the indirect messages. Then I like to make connections to maybe like what I'm going through or the modern times, like how it can be practically applied to what I'm experiencing right now and how I can then also implement solutions or just implement the core lesson of that verse in my actual life, right? And so really breaking it down in all the ways to make sure that I'm I'm not just like, oh, gee, I'm so inspired for five seconds, then I'm going to read the next thing and the next thing and the next thing because it can seem simple from sentence to sentence like, oh, yeah, it sounds cool. But then when you really take the time to break it down and implement it and apply it to each part of your life. It's like, wow. And so I try and write it down. And half the time, I'm going to be honest, I don't have like a a notebook. It's more of like this little flip page thing. And half the time the pages fall out and are ripped because I'm using the thing so much and I travel so much that they're like all crumbled up or ripped or they're they're like flying around the the airport terminals. Who knows where they are at this point? But like I, I don't really hold myself very much to like, oh, I must keep this beautiful diary of all of my thoughts. It's like more of, no, we're going to riff on a whole page about what's coming to mind, what's coming to heart in this moment. So that's how I'm doing it right now. It's probably going to change in three months. Who knows? You never know with me. Okay. Next up. Next question says, will we end up at the 2024 election with no accountability for all the 2020 and 2022 fraud? I don't know. I mean, you tell me. (laughs) The fact that this question was asked about 2022, saying, do you think we've learned our lesson from 2020? Do you think we've made the proper changes? And what do you know? It turns out we haven't. That's really concerning to me. Okay, like this country's gone if we've lost a a safe and honorable election process. I'm highly concerned by it. Now, there's two angles to look at it from here. It's like we people get really confused because you have these huge influencers and huge political names and all these show hosts and everything that like. It just seems like, wow, the conservative movement must be so strong. Like everybody hates Biden. We are going to have our red wave in 2022. It's going to be amazing. And it just was kind of like a trickle. And people were really blown away by that. Like they were really confused. And at the end of the day, all I can say is like people are not doing all the things that they they freak out about on the internet, all the things that they talk about on their shows. Like people need to carry their concerns off of social media and into the real world. The influencers and and people that are leading this are oftentimes just really big voices. Scott Pressler is like one of the only people I know that actually does the on the ground work. And there's a few others like Corey DeAngelis and stuff. He does amazing stuff with protecting our schools and bringing school choice to each state. But it is a small amount of people that are bringing legitimate change in the way the left does, where they bring in, uh, institutional or structural change to something that they have a problem with. So 
that is a really important thing is like social media followers and social media momentum and all this kind of like talking point and anger and stuff. That's not what a red wave is. A red wave looks like people on the ground working together in each town and each state to actively change and protect their election systems and whatever else they want to see changed. The other aspect to this is I kind of talk about this concept when we look at the veterans issues like veteran suicide and um, helping out all of our veterans that are struggling right now with health issues from their time in action, et cetera. And it can seem really overwhelming to look at the national suicide statistics, right, for our veterans. It's like, oh my gosh, where do we even begin? You know what I mean? And so when you localize things, and that's when I start talking about the VFW, the American Legion, how I've been involved in that since high school, and it's just such a great personal way to connect with the people who made so many sacrifices in literally World War II, Vietnam, Korean War, all of these amazing moments in history. They have lived through that. They served in that. And we don't really see as much involvement in these groups from the GWAT guys, the veterans from Iraq and Afghanistan and such, but that's just been a different kind of like a change. But those older veterans, they're still there and there's a way to connect with them. And when you consider like, oh, wow, well, if I just consider the number of them in my town, that becomes a lot more manageable in terms of how can we support them. The same thing I think needs to be taken in terms of an approach for protecting our election systems. That's with our towns and our states. If we take responsibility for our own areas, for our own states, we will see positive change. Instead, everybody's like, well, of course the experts are handling it on our side, right? Like, of course the higher ups in the conservative movement and the GOP, like they talk about it so much. Of course they're fixing it. They couldn't let this happen again. No, everybody's just kind of like, wait, you weren't doing it. I wasn't doing it. You weren't doing it. I thought you were doing it. What? And then we're all just looking at each other in a circle at the end of the failed red wave, like, oh, oh, shoot. So that's kind of my little evaluation on that. Next question says, conservatives are praising Elon. I don't trust him yet. Do you? Thoughts? I would agree. I would agree, but not in some like pessimistic way of, oh, well, everybody loves him, so I'm just going to hate him and be negative. You know what I mean? I just mean that in a practical way. Like, I just, I don't trust him because I don't really trust many people out there, especially the big fancy ones. You know what I mean? I I think just like what we were talking about last question, social media is not real life. Okay. So if you... It's not just with politics, that's with everything. How many times have you been let down by a celebrity or an athlete or an influencer that you look up to? I mean, the the amount of times are just endless. Like for the most part, people will literally post as if they are the happiest family men or women with the happiest kids, the happiest marriage, all that stuff. And then it turns out like, oh wait, um, the guy's been cheating on his wife the whole time or the wife's been cheating on her husband and they actually left each other six months ago or she's actually in an abusive relationship. Like it's really hard for us to see people that we put on pedestals and people that have these artificial, beautiful lives online. It's hard to see them be exposed for being not so good. Now that doesn't mean that anybody, any influencer who posts happy stuff on their page and you know, say they have some hard times or say they're sad sometimes. That's not them being fake. Like, yeah, they're not going to put all of their dirty laundry on the internet as if it's their diary. I think that's totally normal to like, you know, just social media shouldn't be that big of a deal. Like just post things that make you happy, post things that are cool, post things that you want people to see. But some people take it a step further and create this fake life. And that's when it becomes really misleading and really damaging because people, they strive for more. It's like when you find out celebrities, they're they're like face tuning their pictures to the high heavens 
and their bodies don't actually look like that. I, I see these, well, I don't know what's weird. I see these pictures and they mean well, but it's these girls that are like, they're a little overweight, right? And like, say they have like a stomach or I'm just trying to think like they, they clearly aren't in like the best, best, best shape, right? They aren't like skinny as a twig or anything like that. And that's totally fine. But they post two pictures next to each other as if they're like being super transparent and it'll be like, this is me posed, the stuff you'll see on social media, and this is me in real life. And it's them like with their gut hanging out. But then the picture that they say that is, is posed and is posted on social media and is the like, oh, don't believe everything you see. That's them with like extremely sucking it in and it looks so fake. It's not what their body actually looks like. And so for me, I'm kind of like, well, then why do you even post those pictures in the first place? Like, I think it's really cool. Yeah. Thank you for showing your, your body as it is. Thank you for showing the real you, I guess, in this transparent post. But why do you continue to pose in ways that completely distort your body, making women think and the young girls that follow you think that that's what you look like? Do you not see how that's really damaging? You're participating in this process. You know what I mean? Like that stuff really grinds my gears. So that's why like with me, I'm like, hey, here's my dog and I'm going to this event tonight. Um, I just got this outfit and now I'm with my dad and we're shooting bows and here's my dog again. Oh, look, there's a deer in the field. It's like, <laughs> it's like I get it. Listen, I'm, I'm definitely not a perfect person. I've, I've come to Jesus in the last few years, but like I just don't ever think that social media should be a, a very big diary thing. And when it does become that, what do you know? It is often a fake diary, first of all, and then people start to set false expectations and false realities for their viewers. That's hard enough, right? And that's, I think, created like a trust issue between followers and those high influence people. But I think we also need to carry in that kind of distrust into politics because right now it's so weird to me. I don't understand why conservatives especially, we put people on such high pedestals when like they're not even that cool. I d and I don't mean like, oh, you're such a loser. I just mean like, what? why do we care about having them on our side so much? And what does it even mean to be on our side? It's like, great, they said taxes are bad. So like now we're going to be like, welcome to our side. Welcome to the culture war. You know what I mean? And I think it's partly because we're really excited when someone cool, like someone young and hip or like someone in pop culture joins our side, for example, Kanye West. But then we often end up getting pie to the face. And I don't want to say we as in all of us, but like I just watch people that every time something like this happens, they get all excited and they just champion this new person that's basically hated us the whole time, but now they're coming out on our side. Or something like, I think it was Nicki Minaj or Cardi B or something. She said like one thing, I think it was Nicki Minaj. Nicki Minaj said one thing about how the government's bad or about how taxes are bad. And then conservatives were like, yes, we love Nicki. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, I'm sorry, what? Like, why can't we just be like, hey, that was a cool thing you said. Thanks. We agree. Thank you. And just leave it there. Like, we don't have to become Nicki Minaj fans. We don't have to become Cardi B fans just because Cardi B complained about paying taxes. She's still telling people to vote for Bernie Sanders. So, like, we haven't really gone very far in any of this yet. You see what I mean? The problem is, like, as soon as something little like this happens, we just start fangirling over this person. When in reality, like, okay, there's nothing wrong with getting excited about it, but let's just take things as they happen. Let's just, you know, be calm, be cool, 
Don't take the bait like hungry fish. Just say, interesting. You know, that's a great point, Nikki. That's a great point, Elon. We agree that there's some free speech issues here. And we think it's really, really cool that you're buying this platform because you care about this stuff. And, uh, you know, we, we hope to keep working with you in the future. Just what if we just kept our heads and we didn't freak out or blow up when something like this happened? That being said, if we could, first of all, the, the Kanye thing is just an absolute embarrassment. I, I don't want to talk about this too much because I think it's disgusting and such a waste of time. But the guy, there's clearly something wrong with him. And I haven't really said anything about him yet because I just didn't think it was that you know prominent. I thought it was kind of like a random thing that I'm not going to waste my time on. But guys, the guy used to be a really successful and wonderful artist. And from the looks of it, it looks like something bad's happened to him over the last few years. And all I see right now are vultures that are using him as they can. This man in a very weak state who is saying some very inappropriate stuff, some completely hateful and wrong stuff. It's just completely wrong. And the, what makes me the saddest is like he's a father. He had a beautiful marriage. And I we obviously don't know why that all went down. But clearly, like there's a lot of factors here. I just think of like this guy's a father and he's got children that are now coming of age and they're able to see what's happening on social media. And he's having these like horrible people that are not in the conservative movement. You know, like they're <laughs> I mean, like just really, really evil people, if you ask me. They're reaching out to him, and I don't know who is around Kanye to even allow this or if he's just acting alone, and that makes me really sad for him because it's like I don't know what state he is in right now. I don't know who he has in his corner to help him and get him out of these situations, but I feel like he is being completely used during a really, really messed up time in his life where something's clearly wrong. So I see the situation as highly sad. It doesn't excuse anything that he's saying. It's completely disgusting. Completely disgusting. But the next level of disgust is that you have people that soberly and in normal states of mind will openly say these kind of hateful and anti-Semitic things. Question how many, you know, Nick Fuentes, he was like, how many ovens do you need to bake cookies? How many ovens do you need to bake a certain number of cookies in a certain number of years? It just doesn't add up. Like he was comparing Jewish people to cookies that you bake in an oven. That's him in his sober mind, like normal talking. And he, in his sicko ways, and these people around him are taking advantage of the situation of a, you know, a once great singer that millions of people love who has completely fallen. And I don't know what is happening. You know what I mean? Where it's like, it's just a very sad situation. And then to see the worst of the worst feeding off of him and giving kind of like just making it 10 times worse is just horrific to watch. So that's that's my thoughts on that. I get a lot of messages about that. Sorry. Kind of back to the Elon question. It's like that's why when people praised Elon as if he was like the savior of free speech or anything like that and the new king of conservatism, it's like, why do we have to be so dramatic about it? Why can't we just appreciate that he made this effort to do this? It's his money. It's his decision. He's doing it. We'll have his back if he is wrongly attacked. We will do what is right in the situation. We will support him, but we will not tie ourselves to him as even if he's like some sinking ship that ends up being a total leftier lib that just hoodwinked us. You know what I mean? It's like maybe we just need to keep our healthy distance from all these kind of things and just stick to our core values. And this kind of Kanye and Nick Fuentes and I don't know the other guy's name. 
Milo, and all that kind of stuff, that stuff being the leading headline stories, that just makes me want to be on my faraway homestead even more. I just want to be there with my family. I just want to raise a sweet family of babies in Christ and have a sweet husband and do what I can to serve others and do what I can, of course, to to be a part of the preservation of this country. But like that kind of stuff just disgusts me and makes me want to go away. You know what I mean? hate to be negative, but it just really gets me like, whoa, I'm going to delete my social media in two seconds. Okay, next question. Somebody asked what to do if the girl you are seeing isn't conservative. Oh my gosh. I was asked in a previous episode, if you guys remember, you know, what do you do if you're dating and you want to find out if the girl that you're dating got vaccinated for multiple reasons, like for her health, for reproduction, for her values, etc. This is kind of like that, right? This is all about being equally yoked with someone because what are we trying to do here with marriage? People were trying to form a bond with someone. And if you're Christian, you're trying to form a bond with that person and God and what God brings together. It cannot be separated. <laughs> so you are trying to spend, if you are, you know, God willing, you live decades and decades long. If you are living decades and decades more of life, you are trying to spend those decades. It's a long time with that one human. And there's these really fantastic graphs that I was looking at earlier. I can't remember where they were from, but it basically was like these line graphs that showed over time in your life from zero to 100, who are you spending your time with in terms of other people. So the options were like your children or no, it was your parents and then your spouse and then your children. And so in your early years of life, you're totally with your parents, like hundred percent of the time. And then you meet your spouse and that line is literally like up, like you're spending most of your time with your spouse from that moment you meet them through the end of your life when one of you passes away. And maybe you can live together in heaven. Ah, so sweet. But then a little bit later on in life, you have kids. And that time with your kids is really so short and precious because they're going to go off and they're going to do the same thing. But the person that's with you for a majority of your life, just with you every single day, every year for decades, that is your spouse. How are you as a single person right now preparing to meet and find that person that you're going to spend decades with, right? If 50% of people are getting divorced, what can you do to make sure that you're not going to fall victim to that statistic like everybody else? Because Christians get divorced all the time. Don't just say, oh, well, I'm a Christian, so I don't want to. Because at the same time, I meet so many people. This is like horrifying to me. I'm so scared of this. They meet, they're Christian, they're against divorce, but one day their spouse comes home and says, I have decided I want a divorce and you cannot convince me away from it. And like they have no choice. And they believe it's a sin and they don't want to do that. They they want to have divorce never be an option. But the other party, they don't care. They're done. They've checked out already. And they're saying there is no options except for this divorce. Sign the papers. And that's the kind of stuff like I have major trust issues, I'll be honest. It's like, okay, you say that you're against divorce, but will you be against divorce in the worst circumstances? Will you be against divorce when we reach those lulls that everybody apparently reaches and then half of the people, because they aren't rooted in faith or because they aren't really dedicated to not getting divorced, they just say, well, maybe we just need to divorce because it's the easiest option. Like People fall for this all the time, 50% of people. And so how do you find that person? I think one of the best things you can do when you're looking for your person is to make sure that you are equally yoked and aligned on things. Now, how can you do that? I'm sorry to say this because you know maybe she's a very nice girl. How can you do that if you are a conservative and she is not? 
And I don't mean that with just, you know, who you vote for. I think that definitely plays a part. But like, it kind of has an impact on your whole worldview, on your mindset, on your view of individual freedom, family freedom, economic freedom, financial freedom, work ethic, I'm sorry to say, view of what the government's role in your life and your kid's life, your family's life is, on how to educate and raise your kids. I mean, come on, think about it. This isn't just political. Like, There's a reason people vote one way or the other. It's because they have a certain set of core values. They have a certain set of goals, what they'd like to achieve in society and what they believe is important. And those are all kind of founded on their values as an individual, their outlook on life. And it's really kind of super duper important. So I would say beyond that, me just being like, hey, I would really think twice about trying to do like a total opposite kind of thing. I think some other things you should consider before just like saying no because she's not a conservative is number one, would she be a good mother? Would she raise your children right? I watch this really beautiful thing that like a mother's love, a mother's overt love and nurturing love during the raising of a child can set that kid up for ultimate lifelong success. Isn't that crazy? Just the fact that that kid was overly loved, like tremendously loved and nurtured by that mom when they were a child, that has an impact on their adult success for decades after that. I'll try and find it for you guys because it was a really beautiful thing. So I've noticed this too, is like guys never really considered that because our society doesn't really teach men or women to consider that as a factor when you're dating anymore. And then people kind of after a a year of dating or after two years or maybe even after they've already gotten married and now they're parenting, like they didn't even consider to talk about this of like, what do you consider to be disciplined? What do you consider to be important when we're raising kids? Like, how do you even want to do that? If you aren't aligned on that kind of stuff, it's really going to be a struggle. And with mothering and raising children in this age of feminism, you have a lot of women who reject nurturing roles, who reject their natural roles, who see motherhood as a burden, who would abort their child if they got pregnant. Like, so are you dating a woman who, if you guys are having sex before marriage, I would really consider not doing that. If you guys do that and you get her pregnant, would she say, I want to abort this child? I mean, is that not, if I was a guy, I would be like, oh my gosh. So not only that, but there's women who they're married and they're pregnant and they tell their husband they want to abort because they're just not ready yet. So this is like really important stuff you should be considering. Is she nurturing? Is she excited to be a mother? Would she be a good mother? Does she understand the importance of a nurturing and kind mother? Because the absence of one is going to be very damaging on that child's future. Next thing would be life and future goals. Do they align with yours? Are you guys trying to achieve the same thing? My favorite evaluation of that is like, ask that person, what do they see themselves doing over the decades? Like, do they want to end up in a skyscraper condo in a downtown city going out every weekend to like a new club because maybe they like beverages and maybe they like going to speakeasies and they like that vibrant city life and that's what they view as like the ultimate kind of lifestyle if they had all the money and if they had all the ability to do so? Or are you talking to someone that's like, I want to live out in the boonies like Morgan Zeggers and I want a homestead on a self-sufficient property and I want to be hunting and literally providing all the food for my property and my kids and I want a ton of kids. You know what I mean? It's like if you fall in love because you're physically attracted and you're kind of swept off your feet by somebody who wants to do the city thing and you're trying to achieve the Morgan Zeggers homestead vibe, it's not going to work out. I hate to tell you. 
So maybe try and make sure that those things align too. Another thing, core values, basic kind of principle. Those things matter, I would say, much more than, oh, this kind of politics or this, but they also play into what kind of political side you end up falling on, okay? And last, if you're a Christian, you really need to make sure that she's also a Christian. It's just, you got to be equally yoked, okay? So if she, and this is where this plays in the most, if she isn't, and you guys try and raise a family, are you going to be okay with not raising a family in a faith-based way? Are you okay with raising your family in a secular fashion? Are you okay with that? So all these different questions. I hope that helps. Okay. And to close off, we'll do one last question. Someone asked, what are you looking for in a husband? Um, I would say one of something that really caught my eye. I did an interview recently and someone asked me, you know, what's the number one thing you're looking for in a man? And what do you think women usually answer? And I was like, oh, geez, I wonder what women usually answer. And the the answer for what women usually want in a man, number one thing that they're looking for, it's kindness. And I couldn't agree more. Kindness in a man sounds very, very nice if we're spending decades together. It's it's hard to describe, but it's definitely clear when it's not present. You know what I mean? So kindness really matters to me. And I think that comes with being rooted in faith too. I think it goes hand in hand if they have a real relationship with God and they're trying to honor that. The next thing would be I, I want him to be rooted in faith because I am and I just really think it's important in the raising of kids and in the keeping of the home. Like I just don't want to do the opposite of that and I don't want to have to battle my husband because he doesn't see the value in it. You know what I mean? Next, I would say will be a strong um, and loving father to my kids. I want him to understand the importance of a father's role. I don't want just like a sit on the couch with some potato chips on his belly kind of dad who has no compassion, no ability to father or parent, no interest in it, and just goes off and does his own thing and like leaves the kids with the woman. You know what I mean? Like a, a man's role in the raising of his children is so important. The science shows it. The Bible says it. And I want someone who's excited by that stuff because I just see so often like people are so unhappy with their lives and they're so dismissive and they're so self-absorbed but depressed at the same time. And they abandon such important things. And so if I could find someone who's like he understands how important these things are versus any external forces versus any materialistic desires, all that stuff, that would just be really special. That'd be nice. Um, Trying to think. Oh, um, would be willing to support the idea of me staying home and homeschooling our kids because that's totally different for everybody. Like some people, because I'm in the conservative movement stuff, everybody's talking about it. You know what I mean? And I don't mean everybody, but I just mean it's a normal discussion. But if you get out of the political circles and like you try and like for me, if I like try and date non-political people or people that just kind of aren't interested in this kind of stuff right now and they have no idea what's even going on in the public schools, the kind of conversation that our society builds, the kind of narrative it builds around homeschooling, around stay-at-home moms is so toxic and negative that you need, or at least I feel like, Women need to be lucky enough to find, blessed enough to find a man that understands the importance of a woman's role in the home and the art of homemaking and how special homeschooling can really be, how it's on the up and up. I've had situations where like a guy is confused of like, you don't want to go to work every day. Like, that's really weird. How are you going to contribute? Like, then things get weird about the money stuff. And it's just like, 
you either get it or you don't. You know what I mean? And so I just need a very traditional guy in that that respect. And then I'm trying to think, kind of like what I said about earlier of you know what to look for in a woman in the last question. I need to make sure that he has the same goals as I do long term, and that's getting a, a property on the outskirts of town, away from all the mess, away from all the noise, and making it a nearly self-sufficient property. That would be fantastic. Raising the babies on it. The frolic in the fields. <laughs> okay, that being said, thanks for listening, you guys. I appreciate it. I will see you later. Have a nice weekend. Bye.